Hello and welcome to the Dev Town Beer Podcast. My name's Sean and joining me as always is the one and only Dante Boffman, Mr. Boffman man. How are we? I'm good, Sean, and I want to take full credit here. Uh, my my official pick for Lakers Suns in your beautiful uh, color-coded spreadsheet before the playoffs <laughs> was Lakers in four. And obviously the Suns saw that and they were like, our own our own guy, no, he doesn't believe in us and that lit a fire underneath them. So uh, yeah, I like, you know, credit to the boys, but obviously it was obviously it was me lighting the the fire under under the suns to get through <laughs> past the lakers well yeah I, that's that's been the only the only series i've gotten wrong so far um obviously i also picked the clippers and five so that's uh that's not the greatest so mr boffer i think we remembered um we remembered why we stopped recording podcasts on saturday morning this morning but nevertheless here we are and as we are talking the Clippers and Mavs are just about to tip off for you know maybe the the serious clinching game for the Mavericks or maybe pushing a game seven for the Clippers. So we know all of the second round apart from who's going to be playing Utah. Luckily for us, people don't click on podcasts to listen who's going to be playing Utah in the second round of the playoffs. So let's talk about the exciting game. So we'll start off with your Phoenix Suns beating the Los Angeles Lakers yesterday. And how did it feel as someone who's been looking at a team that had a goat literally defecate in Robert Sava's office before what's his name got fired nine days later. Uh, you've been drafting Aiden over Doncic and, and so on and so on. What does it feel to be the uh, reigning champion Los Angeles Lakers in the first, in your first trip to the playoffs in what, I mean, a long time. 11 years. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was 12 the last time that the Suns made the playoffs. Yeah, nice. uh, and I don't want to be dramatic and it may seem may seem trivial to you, you know, someone who's just like, you know, silver spoon in silver spoon in your mouth <laughs> with regards to the playoffs every single season. I don't know whether I actually ever expected to see the Suns win a playoff series. Mm. Like I think I I knew like just by virtue of the maths that it eventually would happen because, you know, unless you're the Timberwolves, it's you know, it's going to happen at some point. <laughs> or the Kings. Yeah, or the Kings. Uh, but, you know, to to actually be here, it's, it's, it's quite strange. I just had this, when, when the, when the final, um, you know, when, when siren whistle, I don't know, what are you having basketball? <laughs> <laughs> when the game was over, I, I just felt giddy. I just felt like I just like literally just did like a little giggle, like a little, <laughs> like I can't believe this is happening. Mm. Um, especially because of the, the way the game ended yeah. with Jay Crowder doing a little, a little salsa dance in the middle of the lane, getting ejected and then and Booker, sprinting out. Booker seizing the opportunity to put a little bit of emphasis on the game with a two-handed slam with like, you know, half a minute left. I was like, that mm. is just like a spicy you know, kind of like spit on the court and rub your foot in it way to, to end the yeah, series. Yeah, I mean, I well, like- the, the pushback there is that maybe this is bad luck for your next series. Like there's a lot of people on Twitter saying, man, like these nuggets just scraped through in six, but these nuggets just scraped through and there's some goons on the other side of the bracket coming to face them. But, you know, as someone who would be going for Denver in that series, I'm like, well, this is a lot of bad juju, man. Maybe I've been listening to too much Bill Simmons, but this is some negative energy, Dante. <laughs> Some bad juju. That's about the most Bill Simmons thing I've ever heard. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, maybe, but think about all of the other, you know, like quote unquote villains that have had success throughout NBA history. The Heatles, the Bad Boy Pistons, you know, even some the of KD those- Warriors. Yeah, the KD Warriors. What the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> yeah, villains, bro. Seth Curry is like the ultimate. He's like the ultimate heel. Dude, Bleacher Report made the video on the super villains. And then um, it, it quickly cut to a young, uh, what was that? A, a young superstar uh, chamber. Remember that? And there was Damian Jones and Paddy McCaw all sitting in this chamber just waiting to be the next starting shooter, shooting guard and, and center. Well, I mean, Paddy McCaw did you know, win three rings. That's so, true. That's true. We won yeah, four, didn't he? Did he? No, I think he was going for four last year, but it didn't happen. Mm, um, that aside, <laughs> back to the topic of hand. Um, I think that, you know, the the edge that that Phoenix has kind of played with all season with with guys like Crowder in there um, and, and Booker kind of becoming more you know a little bit chippier like he's not afraid to like mix it up he's he's had a few ejections this season and you mm. saw him you know he got ejected he got ejected during this series and and at the end of the game when Crowder got ejected they just like subbed him out because he was already on a tech and mm. you know it was it was very much um let's like keep it under wraps so they've got a few dudes Chris Paul as well obviously is like the master of you know dudeage of, of <laughs> yeah of that sort of thing so I don't subscribe to the bad juju theory. And I think that, you know, against against a, a team that has been where Phoenix hasn't in terms of everyone on that roster has some playoff experience. You know, they made the deep run a couple of years ago. Mm. Um, I think that that will come in handy because, it, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll need that attitude at times. Um, so I, I don't subscribe to the whole act, you know, act like you've been there before for or poor sportsmanship or whatever um especially on the crowd i think because a him doing a little dance in the lane <laughs> with 30 seconds left and then getting ejected is just objectively fucking hilarious yeah 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 but like that's and, if i'm gonna rub a win in that's that might be the last thing i do right like did you see how chris ball's sitting in that same spot that lebron was posting up jay crowder and he was just sort of wiggling in his shoulder like like he's about to turn around spin and then drive to the paint did you see how he was doing that right in front of the lakers bench that was good that was really really rubbing it in yeah i i, I miss that but i'm mental mental image now that's that's good. i mean like part of the reason why why it's i find it so funny is just because you, you just you just wouldn't think of it you just would never be like <laughs> We're in LA, game six. We're about to knock out LeBron for the first time. Like, let me just stop and do a dance. Like, you would yeah. just never think of it. Um, and, you know, fair enough. Like, you know, you, you, you and I are as, as big, you know, as big a LeBron, you know, appreciator as, as you'll find. Um, yeah, look, look LeBron, I, I love, LeBron, I love LeBron as much as the next bloke, but... <laughs> He and Crowder were mixing it up the whole time. And it's like, you know, fair enough. Like you, 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 you get up. Crowder was huge in this game. I think Crowder had like probably like 16, 17 points hit. You yeah. Know, four 18 points threes. on six of nine from three and six of nine from the field. There you go. And they looked good so, going you know in. They were good max. Yeah. Yeah. They were. He was, he was clean early as well. You know what? You, you, you hit six threes in a closeout game in LA <laughs> after LeBron has tried to humiliate you in the previous two games. Do a little dance. 
Mm, you have mm. permission to do a little dance. Well, I mean, 18 points, down six threes, plus zero in a game that you blew them out for the first half. Um, but, yeah, that's neither here nor there. You've moved on to the next series. And, look, Dante, congratulations on winning the series. I mean, being on the pod all those months ago with you and Gina Mazzell, I could feel Phoenix Suns energy radiating off the two of you where you're like, this was just before the bubble. You were like, man thanks for inviting us to the bubble let's just have some fun see some development then you went eight no and then you went into this series against the lakers saying well we 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 made the playoffs it's a first round series maybe we can steal a game or two well you've just made it to the next round so let's let's get rid of this sort of uh scaredy catness and let's focus a bit on optimism so you're going against a very 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 depleted denver nuggets side which is missing, obviously, Jamal Murray, but then they're also missing their defensive stopper in PJ uh, Dozier, Mr. Composure, and they're missing Will Barton, who I, I don't know if he's played in like the last five playoffs. He's always injured in the last like the last two weeks of the season. So it's just natural as me, someone who follows the Denver Nuggets closely, just to see him in street clothes during the playoffs. But how do you feel going up against this Denver Nuggets side, which, look, you're, you're probably favoured, um, but... You've obviously got Jokic, who's just willing this team to do great things. Uh, and, and how do you reckon that series is going to shake out? Well, I, I like the matchup in terms of, you know, obviously we're, we're a guard-led team and mm-hmm. then, you know, being down to effectively Faku Campazzo and, and Monte Morris, mm. um, you know, bodes well for the ability of, you know, of Paul and Booker to have an impact offensively and not be, you know, at least Booker not be found out defensively mm. um like you, you could just imagine you know murray every time like hunting booker on a switch and, yeah. and and getting some good stuff um you're not kind of worried about that with with Compazzo. and inside you know early in the lakers series we saw Aiton just regularly scoring 20 points um mm-hmm. and shooting you know like 90 i think i think grant hill said in the broadcasting game six that he's shooting 90 percent at the rim in that series um and you know, Jokic is 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 no one's idea of a of a shot blocking menace. So I do Excuse like me, he had four blocks in game five. <laughs> you know, he yeah. was the only player in NBA history to have 38, 11, 6, and 4. <laughs> what that's that's that, specific, that's specific. Stat line. Good on him. Yeah. You love to see it. <laughs> Inspirational. Um does it count? If it's a double overtime game, like, you know, per 36, four blocks in a double overtime game probably doesn't look as good, you know. Ah, just, come on, just, man. Uh, just I, will, I wouldn't be talking crap about Nikola Jokic just as you're about to play in the playoffs. <laughs> um, I, but I, I, I think that the way that Aiton was featured on in the pick and roll early in the Lakers series could be really, really helpful. Um just going at Jokic and, and you, you know, you know, Chris Paul is going to be comfortable um, if he gets a switch and then Aiden's inside against a smaller defender, not a lot of shot blocking around the rim. So I think that he could be another, he could be in store for another efficient scoring series. Mm-hmm. Um, but then on the other end, obviously it's, it's the same kind of puzzle that we, that the Suns would have faced if AD was fully healthy or we did face for two games when AD mm-hmm you know, lit us up. It's, it's that we, we have one quality big and the rest of them are extremely defensively challenged. Um, so going up against an elite big, the best big in the entire game. Yeah. Um, 
it is is going to pose challenges of the same order that we saw in the Portland Denver series where you know Nurkic just just didn't have it um and I, I you you might know what Jokic's final average was but I'd be willing to to guess that it's in the 37 points per game range in the Luka zone it's it's 33 10.5 4.5 with half steal and almost half a block it's yeah and and sorry all of his blocks came in that one game <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean that gets you up to 0.7 so that looks good on the uh, on the basketball reference page yeah so i think that we're probably going to see that again from from Jokic. i don't think that Aiden is going to be able to you know do much about that and god forbid in those 12 minutes where where Aiden doesn't play. Um, we'll see what Denver does with with staggering those minutes. But if if we end up with like Jokic playing during the Kaminsky or Saric minutes, um, you know, I can be I can be willing to to guess what would happen during those minutes. So <laughs> well, well that's um yeah that that's the one thing I'll be looking at in this series because the Nuggets are unapologetically hunting for matchups. And while you might say like, that's not very, that's not very tough just to say, Oh, get me away from this good defender. I can't wait to get on the bad defender. The nuggets feed off that. And especially Jokic, cause just he's, he's just an incredible player. So I think just as they did with Yusuf Nurkic, they're going to be looking to get Aiden in as many fouls as possible. And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, Dante, you are going to get so, so frustrated. There's going to be at least one time a game when obviously you've got six fouls, so you just really need to take care of all those fouls. There's going to be one time a game where Jokic is posting up and then as he like goes to put, put his body back into Aiden, he's just going to like jelly roll forwards. He's just going to flop and then his arm's going to flail and that's going to be a foul on the post up before he's even gotten the ball. And then you're looking down at your sheet going, shit, that's one out of six. Or maybe, you know, that'll be the fourth one or the fifth one. There's going to be at least one little annoying foul that Jokic always pulls. And that just brings him closer to his matchup against the backups because Frank the Tank, God bless him, um, in Wisconsin. And Dario Saric, who for some reason was behind Frank the Tank in the backup against um, against the Lakers series, which I disagree with, neither of them stand an absolute chance. And as soon as the... Um, the Portland Trailblazers went to their backups. And in the final game, they actually, um, Enos Cantor got a DNP because he was just so bad. They were preferring to play um, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson in and then just put Car- Carmelo Anthony as just the bigger, heavier dude on Jokic, just trying to stop him because it was Robert Covington. He couldn't stop him. I mean, Mallow barely stopped him as well. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson was absolutely nothing. And every single time down, the possession started with the Jokic post up. And obviously one of the most cerebral guys in the whole entire league, he's just going to find the open man. And yeah, it's even scary again, because if you do double, Jokic is so tall. There were times when, when Nolan Powell came over to double, his arms were up. He didn't want to get his hands in the cookie jar because he knows how Jokic can just draw fouls out of nothing. So he sat there with his arms up, hand in the face of Jokic's face. And Jokic just very, very calmly without dribbling, looked around, and then just found the perfect pass, passed it, and you know, Michael Porter Jr. just drains those threes over and over and over again. Uh, and while he had one poor game in that series, he was absolutely exceptional. In game six, I think he had six threes, oh, sorry, five threes, um, six to six at the start of that game. So it's, it's going to be really interesting, and I think what it's going to come down to is just who can score more points. And at the end of the day, even though one of these teams employs Austin Rivers and I shut every time he shoots the ball and, like, 
you're going to get introduced to Marcus Howard. He's their two-way player, and he just jacks the fuck out of shots. And look, <laughs> fair play to him. Like, you're a two-way player. You've just been asked to come in and try and simulate Jamal Murray. It's just going to be who can make more shots because we're going to try and throw Aaron Gordon on some of your um, some of your guards. It might not work. I'm probably going to write about how it will work, and I'm fingers crossed it will work because we've got no other options. Monty Morris is going to play 40-plus minutes, and he's going to register zero turnovers. And we're just going to try and bully the crap out of your big men. And hopefully we can outscore you uh, seven times seven times in a series. I think the one saving grace in a situation where DA is in foul trouble is that bringing either Kaminsky or Saric in, I would suspect that in this series, it would be Saric over Kaminsky. Um, you know, we, we can go five out and basically try and spread everything yeah. out. Um, yeah. And you just get the feeling that, you know, like Jokic would still defend Saric and you just kind of say, all right, if Saric is going to hit two threes in this quarter, then Saric is going to hit two threes in this quarter. There's not a lot you can do about it. Um, but but he is a genuinely, you know, he's kind of faded the second half of the season. And I think Kaminsky was preferred to him against the Lakers just because he's got more size. Like Saric is like, you know, a generous 6'9". Kaminsky is, you know, 6'10", 6'11", and can actually jump, whereas Saric is like a generous 6'9", can't jump, short arms. Like, you know, I've never seen someone get blocked around the basket so much. Um, but he still is <laughs> a genuinely... I in Dante and say a phrase I never expected here was a generous 6'9". I'm just trying to imagine what that looks like. Anyway, he's too well, small. Well, I'll tell you I'll tell you what it looks like. You ever seen someone who's 6'7"? That's what it looks like. <laughs> Um, but he, he is a genuinely like threatening offensive player in the short role. Um, and he's a great rebounder. So, you know, it's, it's, it won't be, um, won't be a surprise to see him kind of, you know, if he's in and around getting, getting to the line, like getting mixed up in things around the basket, um, even though he does get blocked a lot, uh, Mm -hmm. in, in the non Jokic minutes. So I I think you're right that it is going to be a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a, uh, who can score more. The thing that I would just be heartened by is that throughout the season we were really really good day maybe with the exception of the last like 10 or so games but you saw that again you know during the lakers series um that we you know when the when the moment called for it we we could put the clamps on and and kind of keep them locked down yeah um and we match up quite well with MPJ, like, you know, a- any of Cam oh, Johnson, definitely. Jay Crowder and Tory Craig, I'd be more than comfortable, you know, more than comfortable on like none of the guards are going to scare us. It's literally just the, you know, offensively, just the Jokic matchup. And I don't think there's a game plan to do it. Cause if you're going to double, which I don't think, you know, we, we talked about this in the early in the Portland series, like, you know, I was saying that I, I don't actually, hate the decision to single cover him because well, they actually they they changed it up in the last two games just because he ate all he wanted so like I, I agree with you it's not a bad idea but in the end portland just defaulted to you have to double him just to get the ball out of his hands if you're going to double him you have to double with size you can't double with norman Powell coming well over. i mean that's that's also a personnel problem for for the uh for the blazers well it's also a personnel problem for the suns because if you <laughs> if you if you look at Aiden well, as the primary that, that defender, actually leads me to one of my one of my next questions which is just a quick one but obviously jay crowded is someone who's going to get a bit of time on your kitchen whether that be in a help capacity or just in the single cover um how many games will it take f- until he gets a tech on Jokic? 
Probably like one game. Yeah, I reckon I reckon the over-unders at 0.5. Jay Crowder is always like primed for a tech. He's literally just like waiting, just waiting to be teched off. It's 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 gonna piss me off so much because heading into this series, I guarantee you Michael Malone is sitting down today and saying Jokic. He probably calls him Nikola. <laughs> he's saying, this dude with the fucking dreadlocks is going to try and get in your head and he's going to try and just wean some bullshit out of you and just shut up, man. Like, just he's done this before. Like, Jokic has come down and he's had these games where he's so locked in. He doesn't talk to the refs. He doesn't talk to the opposition players. He just makes his stupid little post moves, right? And that's amazing. But what stresses me out is that he did that all last playoffs and then it came to the series against the Lakers and Dwight Howard had one job and that was just to throw cheap shots at Jokic. And he grabbed it. He got a couple of texts because he was trying to, but he got so far in Jokic's head that Jokic was just trying to like, A, embarrass him, which was awesome, but then B, trying to get him back. And then as soon as you've got Jokic focusing on anything other than just bullying his matchup, then you've won the series. So I really hope that Jokic has learned from the past couple of series uh, and just just ignores Drake Crowder, but no, I don't think it's going to happen. I think game one, you're going to get a tech on one or both of them going at each other on a post up, and then Drake Crowder is going to do that fucking the fault in our stars, put your nose on each other, and just act like a fake tough dude. I don't think Jake Crowder is a fake tough dude. I think Jake Crowder is genuinely a tough dude. Uh, uh, nah, <laughs> I I think, I think he I fight think to the death between him and Jamichael Green. I'm picking Jamichael Green. Yeah, but that's just a build thing. <laughs> you know, Jake Carter is 6'6". Six, six. Jermichael Green is like 6'9". And like, you know, Jermichael Green is solid. Um, the, the, the key difference in this series that I see with, you know, like in terms of mixing it up with Jokic and trying to like throw him off his rhythm is that Dwight was literally just in there for six fouls and exactly what you said, just like he's yeah. in there for six fouls, a couple of boards and some elbows in the back. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Crowder is genuinely important to us on, on both ends of the court. Um, and if he, you know, with, with him and Cam Johnson in there, two switchy wings who can guard two through four, who can shoot it, who can, you know, at, at least Cam can do a little bit off the bounce. Um, you know, they're, they're really important. If you take one of those dudes out, all of a sudden, you know, Tory Craig goes from being your third wing to your second wing, and we're going to rely on our second wing a lot. So mm, the Tory Craig revenge series, <laughs> yeah, Tory Craig revenge series. Um, let's let's see how that goes because he's he's not a he's good, you man. know, he's good. He's not a bad player, but he's he's not someone who you want to be relying on. I, yeah. I don't want the series, you know, I don't want a game to be swung by like if he misses four corner threes because. He missed, um, you know, in game six, he missed the most wide open layup I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, even even more wide open than that Brandon Knight, Milwaukee versus Brooklyn four overtime in like 2013 wide open layup. I actually don't remember, shockingly enough, that that specific <laughs> one from eight years ago. Um, it was the Jason Kidd revenge game where he was coaching the Bucks after he'd been fired from the Nets. Um, and it went to four overtime. Brandon Knight had a had a chance to win the game in like the third overtime, and he just missed a wide open layup. And then it went to four OT, and then they ended up winning, I believe, or whatever. Wow, the great escape for Brandon Knight. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I mean, so I, I don't think Crowder can afford to just like throw away fouls. Like if he gets in foul trouble, you know, it 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 it, it changes a lot whether we're whether where you know Cam Johnson is our second wing or Tory Craig is our second wing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think 
you know, you're right that there'll be a lot of mixing it up between those two. Um, but you know, we just, you just, you just see Jokic all the time, just lock in and just not really, you know, not really focus on what's going on around him. And just like you said, just hit his silly little hook shots, his silly little some post fade away. Yeah. Some more shuffle. So I'm yeah. not anticipating him being kind of knocked off his rhythm at all. It's definitely going to be a, can you win with Jokic scoring 35? Yeah. Well, just before we move on to the next point, I would like to add that Damian Lillard averaged 34 points, 10 assists, and four rebounds, whatever that means, and shot 45% from three, and they lost the series. So the Nuggets have weathered the storm of incredible offensive performances and just straight out scored other teams. So I feel good about that going against these Phoenix Suns who on the season were ranked lower than the Portland Trailblazers on offense. Kind of been by much, though. I think we were the sixth offense. Uh, according to Cleaning the Glass on the season, you were the 12th offense and Portland were the fourth offense. Uh, and there was the 12 points difference between the two of you per 100. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. If you look for points bets stock exchange listing, you'll find a bucket of jargon and doublespeak as they're considered a, quote, wagering services operator, unquote. That's a corporate stretch for the colloquial friendly brogan or hey, look, it's Chris Bosch kind of image they're sending off with their targeted advertising. I don't know about you, but take me back to the days when former pro sports players signed brand deals with hair loss clinics or Fujitsu aircons, not quote wagering service providers. If you're scrolling through your Facebook feed and you come across the two of our faces morphed into one, would that make you listen to our podcast more? I mean, if it does, let us know and we'll start doing it. But when I see a few NBA players' faces morphed into one, it doesn't make me want to pull out my wallet and donate some money to my local wagering services provider. The worst part is we're coming to accept it. Gambling ads are, sorry, wagering service provider ads are so ingrained in our sports and the way sports is delivered to us, it's almost impossible to avoid. Three quarters of Australian children aged between eight and 16 years who watch sport think that betting on sport is normal and can name more than well one or more sport betting companies. When I was in school, I was struggling to remember Pokemon names and I'd be furious if I knew that brain power was being used to put towards wagering service providers and not them. The wagering service providers know exactly who to target. It's not okay to let them ingrain themselves in young Australians' minds. It's not okay to target people in the middle of a pandemic and it's not okay for gambling companies to wield so much influence in the world of sports. To help kick gambling out of sport, use your voice and sign the petition at www.ngamblingads.org.au forward slash petition. All right, well, let's move on to quite honestly the most uh, the series i'm most excited for and that is the milwaukee bucks versus the brooklyn nets you've obviously got three of the best defensive players in the league with drew holiday Giannis, and chris middleton going against three of the best offensive players in the league in Kyrie harden and kevin durant um you can you start us off with just something you're looking forward to in this matchup well, it, it, it is the matchups that I'm looking forward to and, and figuring out who's going to guard who um, because you feel like Giannis will probably go to KD quite a bit, mm-hmm. um, which is something that we haven't always seen. We've talked about it in the past on a four-man where even Giannis kind of playing that, that free safety rover role. Um, but the last time they played, he did, he did spend a lot of time matched up on KD. So... That leaves Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday as your other, you know, like kind of ball stoppers. So are you going to put 
Holiday on Kyrie and Middleton on Harden, or do you acknowledge that Harden is the the, the primary threat out of those two and put Holiday on him? And if you do, what, what does Chris Middleton do? Because you know that Chris Middleton can't guard Kyrie. Um, can, he? can he not? Nah, I think that they would isolate that matchup on the perimeter. Um, uh, I I disagree. Interesting. I I just feel like I just feel like it, with a spaced floor, Chris Middleton to stay in front of Kyrie. I I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, well, we're obviously going to see a lot of these guys rotate on one another. Um, I just think that whoever's guiding James Harden is going to get some fouls on them. Obviously, we know what James Harden does when he, he draws fouls. So I think the more important offensive player for the Bucks is Chris Middleton rather than Drew Holiday. So you'd rather put Drew Holiday on Harden because if he does get six fouls, let's say, you're happier with Drew Holiday planted on the bench as opposed to Chris Middleton because his shooting is just so crucial. Yeah, but the thing that I think makes makes me feel better about this Bucks team in crunch time situations is Drew Holiday because yeah. obviously you know that he <laughs> yeah, can shoot point. and you know that he can you know he, he's not like an elite shot creator um, Middleton is definitely you know better just with his size at creating a shot at the end of the game for himself but the thing that I feel like has really unlocked this Bucks team is the ability for a bit of versatility at the end of the game mm. where it's not just Giannis, you know, on the wing, pounding it, pounding the ball into the ground and, you know, trying to get inside for a dunk and there's three dudes there. It's Giannis pick and roll. Giannis is the screener. Um, and that all relies on, on Drew Holiday. Mm. If he's not there, like if you do kind of put him on hard and you just say like, all right, like if you have to take all your fouls, you have to take all your fouls. What's to stop this, uh, the offense at the end of the game from looking like the offense we've seen previously because yeah. the Bucks more than any team in the playoffs, like there's a blueprint on how to beat them. Yeah, yeah. And if you revert, if they revert to the play style of, you know, the the last two two years in the playoffs where they've been beaten badly, then I I, I think it's you know it's it's an easier it's an easier series for brooklyn and you don't have margin for error as the bucks because you know that brooklyn's probably going to score 120 so you kind of need holiday there which you know um means that i mean i i don't know I, there's there's no real good answer because whilst we can all acknowledge that kyrie is the third best out of the the big <laughs> yeah, three yeah. if you bad. if you if you try and stop you know, if you put Middleton on Harris and just say like, chase him through screens, close out hard, don't let him shoot. And then you put Holiday on Harden and then you just say like, all right, if if one of these dudes is going to go off, it's going to be Kyrie. Yeah, yeah. It's easy to forget that this dude literally just... Oh, it's very easy to forget. <laughs> went, he did, literally just went, I think he went 50, 40, 90 this season, yeah. averaging like... 27 a game and he did the same thing last year and it's a dude who easy to forget again because of the the um the boston year yeah. but you may remember in 2016 when he was the second best player on a championship team mm. um and he hit quite a quite an important shot with about a minute 30 left <laughs> no, it, it is easy to do it is definitely finals. easy to forget as a warriors fan <laughs> 
Sorry for bringing it up. I'm looking at his numbers now. He he went 50-40-90, averaging 27 points. Um, and he was 27 points from the field, uh, 27 points per game last season as well. So <laughs> you say in theory, let's take out KD and let's take out Harden. But you can't take emphasize. out KD as well. That's I emphasize, yeah, in theory. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kyrie could Kyrie could just go for 30 and 8. And if if you get 20, 20, 20 points from each of you know each of Harden and Durant, which seems like honestly a best, best case scenario. Yeah. Um if Kyrie's going for th- you know 35, um you're in trouble. Like the the really the benefit, you know, not not breaking any news here, but the benefit <laughs> of the big three is that pretty much every team you face deep in the playoffs they're going to be great defensively yeah no team has answers for three you know three of the best 15 scorers in the league no team is going to have answers for all that and even a team like like the bucks where you look at you say all right who's their best three you know like Giannis let's just say like include Giannis as a wing for this rather than a big who's their best three like wing guard defenders and you run through the list like they're, they're all good defenders Drew Holiday is an all NBA level defender Giannis is defensive player of the year Middleton is a very very solid defender yeah. and you're still looking at this like they don't have enough combinations to like unpick the lock that the, that the Nets are going to present well, well, that that leads into my next point. So let's say we're just gonna we're gonna neutralize those three guys at the top of the at the top of the lineup, right? So what I'm really excited to look for is how how can Brook Lopez play in this series because they're gonna start off the game with the drop coverage on the pick and roll with Brook Lopez just sitting at the free throw line and below, right? And then if you've got either of those three dudes from Brooklyn coming off a pick and roll, they're just gonna see that wide open mid ranger. And yes, you know the deep two. There's the pun. The deep two is a bad shot, but if you're just going to get it over and over again and your name's Kevin Durant, then that's that's a fine shot and you're going to live with that definitely. So I'm interested to see how Brook Lopez gets to live in this series because he's definitely got a matchup where he can exploit on the other end, whether that just be A, spreading out and just like opening up the floor for the other dudes by sitting in the corner or he's going to have Blake Griffin or Jeff Green if he plays in this series or just the, the worst defender on him at all times. So he can bully that matchup. But if he can't, if he can't just sit at the free throw line and just hope that guys are going to run into him in the paint with his arms up, then they're going to have to go with PJ Tucker, who's obviously more switchy. He can get out and and you know blitz the pick and roll. But PJ Tucker has had a sneaky, horrible offensive season. So in his time with the Bucks so far, he averaged two point six points per game. And obviously, he's not there to score. He's there just to be that that option on defense. But as soon as he's out there, they're just going to leave him wide open. And in the series against the Heat, uh, he played 20 minutes a game, registered 12 points and 13 fouls. So PJ Tucker is an answer to their pick and roll, but then he also makes them incredibly weak on defense. So it's going to be really interesting to see where Mike Budenholzer draws the line here, where he draws the line from, yes, you probably need Rook Lopez out there to win and be, yeah, at least have a shot of being a better offensive team. But you're probably going to get cooked on that end. So what do you, how do you reckon that's going to shake out? Well, I mean, that, that kind of is an underrated aspect of this in, in a similar way to similar vein to what I was talking about with, with Draymond a couple of weeks ago, it's really hard to win if one of your starters or a role player who's playing substantial minutes is just getting four yeah. points. On yeah. the reg, and uh, you know, yes, Peter Tucker is not in there to score, but you need him to be able to hit 
two corner threes well enough to you know make someone actually think about defending him which this season i mean it's it's, it's not just with the bucks like with the rockets i think he was averaging like four and a half points playing like 30 mm. minutes a game yeah um so he does he does give them in theory he gives them defensive flexibility um at least schematic flexibility because you're like okay this guy can do a little bit of everything and things that we haven't necessarily had before um but i don't think that he solves he solves many problems like he's not someone who you know you're going to you're going to isolate one on one with any of those dudes yeah. um you're, you're 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 he's in there because you're comfortable with him getting switched or having to bang inside or, you know, grab a tough board because he can kind of do a little bit of everything. But I don't think he's like a, you know, like a, a matrix type player that the, the yeah. Nets are going to have to like game plan for. Um, just because, yeah, he's super solid. So no one's taking him down to the post, but KD will just shoot over him. Like you say, just get into that, get into that deep two zone. And, you know, whatever shot KD wants to take in this series is a good shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, Even if Giannis is just bear hugging him the whole time. And I, I just, I'm extremely nervous about the prospect of having- say Blake Griffin playing in the playoffs in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm I'm interested to see how that looks. Uh, I'm interested from he a was, holy shit, this is actually going to happen perspective. Yeah, well, considering where he was, but months ago, yeah. um, I'm I'm concerned about the following scenario: that the Nets are successful in basically forcing the Bucks to take Brook Lopez out of the game, um, or minimize his minutes, and in that time when he's not on the floor. They can just go, you know, five out, four out, and just, you know, mm -hmm. four out with DeAndre Jordan or Nick Claxton as the role man. Yeah. Um, and Harden and Kyrie on the perimeter with a spaced floor, if the game does um, break down, like there's just no good answer because I don't trust Middleton to like lock up either of those dudes. Um, I, think, I trust. I, I trust Holiday. The, but if, if you're going to find two dudes in Holiday, like there's there's not many better guys to guard these guards. For no, Holiday is like purpose built, but it's just the other one. I don't think Middleton's that bad. Like no, maybe, no he's maybe not. you prefer Ky like um Kawhi Leonard or something, but it's not hard. I just prefer Middleton on a like a bigger wing. You know, like mm -hmm. Middleton is is tailor made to defend someone like Jimmy Butler or PG or Kawhi, but like, you know, guys who maybe are like more slashing, just trying to get inside off the angles, like Harden's literally just going to take you 30 feet away. Yeah. And he's either going to get past you and get to the free throw line, or he's just going to step back for an open three. And Kyrie is, is in, in the same vein as Durant. Like maybe Kyrie doesn't go to the rim this series because, you know, Brook Lopez is there and Giannis is there. And he's like, damn, like, I'm just not going to get it done yeah. effectively. You know, he's going to, you know, he's going to do he's, if it's a space floor and you can isolate, he's just going to shake and bake razzle dazzle fade away yeah. jumper. And it's going to go in because <laughs> he's so fucking efficient yeah. at those like Chris Paul mid range, little like yeah. hezzy yeah. fade away shot. Like it's just, it's just there. Right. And I, I, I know that, Middleton is a really good defender, um, but I just don't 
think that he answers these specific problems. No one in the league does, like no team in the league does. And the Bucks might be the closest out of anyone to answering them, but I still don't think they're quite there. Yeah. All right. Well, final predictions for the series. Who's winning in and in how many? I'm going to say it's going to seven because I really want it to go to seven. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say Brooklyn in seven. Yeah. I'm going to say Brooklyn in seven as well, but I will be going for Milwaukee. I, I want to see Giannis break through. Yeah. Well, I mean, if Giannis, if Giannis, you know, whichever team comes through, you're, you're playing the Hawks or the, <laughs> yeah. the Embiid, the Sixers. So this, you know, which I know people were looking at this matchup before the Embiid injury and yeah. saying the winner of this goes to the finals. But now it seems like guaranteed, like yeah. you, you win this, like there's a, you know, there's a finals berth against the Phoenix Suns waiting for you. <laughs> well, hang on. You're saying that Embiid, who partially tore a meniscus in his day-to-day, might not be playing in the next series? Look, Sean, I'm speculating, <laughs> but... <laughs> anyway, Dante, it's been real. We have um, Saturdays to enjoy, and we have uh, we have to watch the Dallas Mavericks beat the Los Angeles Clippers. So any final words before we sign off? I just that I sincerely hope that the Dallas Lucas get up. <laughs> the Dallas Tim Hardaway Juniors. All right. Thanks, Dante. Okay.